Welcome to SageCast, the podcast of Pomona College. I'm Patty Vest. And I'm Mark Wood. This season on SageCast, we're discussing mentoring stories with one of students, professors, coaches, and staff who work closely together in the classroom, in the lab, and in the field. Let me introduce today's mentor and mentee pair, Asia Schklar, Pomona's Director of High Performance Computing, and Lindsay Tam, Class of 20, a math major who joined HPC, or High Performance Computing, after transferring to Pomona. Welcome, Asia and, and Lindsay. Thank you for having us. Good to have you both with us. Um, first, uh, let me have you tell you tell us a little bit about yourselves, each of you, um, in particular how you f- uh, first became interested in computing, and how you came to be here at Pomona. So, uh, Lindsay, could could we start with you? Uh, sure. So I actually came here as a transfer, and at my old college, we didn't really have a lot of computing classes. So mm-hmm. when I came here, I knew I wanted to explore that a little more, so I applied to this position. So when I came in, I actually had zero experience, which was really intimidating and made the learning curve a little bit difficult. But through the mentorship of Ozia and all the support she has given to me and all of the other student workers this year, I have improved a lot on my knowledge and I'm actually applying what I've learned into a project where we're developing an app. Uh, how did I get into computing? Uh, high school, I had a really good teacher. Um, and she was teaching us programming. And that seemed really powerful. And I'm not great with people. So that seemed also like a way to have a job. <laughs> to, <laughs> to get things done. Are self-aware mm-hmm. for Yes, <laughs> I know. Uh, so I'm at Pomona since December 2017. Coming on two years soon. And I was hired as the first director of high-performance computing here. It's kind of unusual because this is not an R1. Um, and we don't actually do a lot of high-performance computing. We mostly do research computing support. And I like to characterize it as something that is not easily proceduralized. So enterprise IT is relatively easy. The same kind of hardware, the same kind of software procedures, documentation. Research computing is much harder to support because it's somewhat unpredictable most of the time. But that's what I like. I like challenges. I like systems. I like knowing how to put pieces together, people together to make something bigger happen. Lindsay, you said um, you were interested in learning how to program a little bit because you didn't have that experience prior. So how did you find out about this position at HPC? Tell us a little bit about that process or how did you find Asia? How did you connect with Asia? Not a eventful story here. Just uh-huh. through handshake, yeah. I saw this position. I mm-hmm. thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I didn't really think I would get in with my limited experience, mm-hmm. but I did. And I'm really grateful for that opportunity. Actually, I have a little more to add because she forgets. <laughs> uh, I think I met her for the first time at the fair. Uh-huh. And I don't remember if she applied after the fair. And I'm hoping she applied after the fair because that was my first experience doing a job fair at Pomona. Um, and I tend to overdo things, so I didn't know exactly how to prepare, so I did my best. And we had all the gadgets, we had blinky lights, we had VR headsets, uh, I brought everything, and a couple of students that already joined by that point were helping me, and they were like, what are we supposed to do? And I was like, I don't know, let's figure it out. (laughs) So (laughs) she was one of those students Uh figuring it out. 
Um, and her and Lucy, who graduated by now, were in charge of the VR headsets, showing people how to use them. <laughs> and that went so well, they just took over and did everything. I didn't have to get involved. And I was like, she's hired. She can do the job. So you brought the toys. Tell us a little bit about the toys you brought to the student oh, fair. Oh, man. How much time do you have? <laughs> um, toys. So I believe in learning through play. Um, that's how I learn. Uh, and uh, that's how I've seen most people learn complicated technical stuff. When they're engaged on an emotional level and they're building something that is close to them. And then they forget about the complexity. And it's not scary anymore. It's not intimidating anymore. There's a goal. Um, so that's why toys. Um, if you put a person in front of a computer and give them a command line and you say the word Linux, it's not Linux, it's Linux. Uh, <laughs> Good to know. If you give them hardware, um, they tend to get bored mm -hmm. without any further instruction. Uh, and it's hard to get to the point where you actually are excited about advancement in um, hardware or software. So... That's why toys. That's why we have all the technology in the lab that is affordable um, so that people can walk up to it and say, okay, I don't necessarily need this in my home, but I can explore what others are doing with this. I can learn about um, whether it's designed to my liking. Uh, I can now start thinking about how I would design this mm -hmm. if it was up to me. So it's opening up a lot more avenues for people to think about how to be involved with technology. Um, Asya, tell us a little bit about sort of the infrastructure that you've had to build, because you've sort of built this from scratch, right, when you came here for, for high-performance computing. And did you have a model in mind that were you basing it on something you had experienced in the past? Yes. I went on a limb. So I spent six months at least interviewing people from 13 different departments that were the most likely users of this infrastructure. <laughs> And uh, I came away with a pretty good idea of um, what they don't know. So uh, instead of building traditional infrastructure, which is standard, the same kind of hardware, the same kind of software, I decided to go completely the opposite way and get one of each. Um, because by then, I learned that Pomona is about experimenting is about learning about things that you didn't necessarily have access to before you came here. So it seemed like a perfect opportunity to invest into um, bringing every possible kind of hardware here and show the students and my colleagues how um, software is not always the same, hardware is not always the same. There are many different options. Uh, it's quite complicated. Um, and if they were to go and design a supercomputer, they probably wouldn't have done it the same way I did here. That was on purpose to showcase what's out there and how to work with it. And it's quite complicated and quite different, uh, but I'm not afraid of it. And I'm hoping that the students that are working with me learn not to be afraid of technology and explore it. Um, go ahead. Ask, you say a supercomputer. Can you define that for us? I mean, what makes a, a supercomputer? So people ask me what uh, HPC is, high-performance computing or highly parallel computing. And my favorite answer, and the simplest one, and the shortest one, I think, is when you need more than one computer. Uh, if you can do uh, what you need to get done on one computer, you don't need high-performance, uh, you don't need the supercomputer, you're fine. You can deal with your Excel spreadsheets. But when you can no longer do that, um, you need to learn programming. You need to add networking. You need to think about uh, transferring data, uh, possibly multiple times. Um, and that's essentially how a supercomputer starts. 
if you have a switch connecting multiple computers, it's already a mini supercomputer. The largest ones consist of thousands of nodes and have quite complicated hardware and you do very specialized things. We don't always need that. Um, for instance, one example might be climate modeling. That's definitely something you need a supercomputer for. Discovering new galaxies. Yes, that's a supercomputer task. But um, some other smaller things with, that we might do here, for instance, might be topic modeling. If you don't have a really large data set, you might be able to do it in a single computer and you don't need a supercomputer. So it's always um, the process of interviewing the person who is doing the research task, um, figuring out why they need or don't need the resource. But essentially, as soon as networking gets involved, you have a supercomputer. What are some examples that you worked on? Um, well, we're currently working with Professor uh, Manisha Gol in economics. Mm -hmm. And um, she is looking at multiple years worth of data that is essentially unstructured data looking at job postings. Um, and she doesn't necessarily have defined questions she wants to ask, mm -hmm. um, but her research is focusing on uh, countries where the workforce is impacted by technology. Um, it might mean things like skill of storytelling didn't exist eight years ago. So um, that's something we might learn from the data, even without having that question in advance. Um, so that's one example of a data science task mm -hmm. that's very prevalent today, mm -hmm. looking at a whole bunch of data and trying to figure out if it means anything. Uh, you don't necessarily always start with the data. In fact, uh, it's not the best way to approach it. Usually you have a theory that you are trying to um, apply the data to. Uh, and topic modeling is one of those things where you need a lot of memory and possibly a lot of compute and multiple computers and complicated frameworks and programming. And when all of that comes together at the end, you have a visualization that potentially gives you an answer to something you didn't know you were looking for. Mm -hmm. Lindsay, um, talk to us about the challenges of coming into a really technical field like this as a novice uh, and and tackling some of these these things that just a year ago you wouldn't have you wouldn't have, have thought you would be able to to tackle yeah so in the beginning it was really hard to keep track of what was going on in the conversation so these terms like git or Linux would be thrown around and I'm like I don't really know what that is <laughs> and to overcome that I think I just, force myself to join projects that would teach me more about it. So an example would be um, with 3D printing. So we have two 3D printers in our lab and I had no 3D printing experience, but Asia said, hey, we need someone to write the safety and operating procedure for this 3D printer. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll <laughs> <And> do it. <laughs> so I did a lot of research. I looked at the models that other schools use, mostly UC Riverside. I updated the model that they had on Riverside to mm -hmm. one that Pomona could use in our lab. Fun fact, uh, <laughs> that person that wrote their documentation for UC Riverside is now working here in health and safety. So she ended up reviewing the document and saying, that looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really good. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but. Um, tell us a little bit about when you started working together. So you tell, told us a little bit about how you met when uh, the uh, fair, the work fair. Um, tell us when you started working with uh, together and, and, what, and a little bit about the projects that you've been working on together. 
Um, so Aussie was really involved from the get-go. So when people are onboarded onto this process, she says, let me know within a, a week or so what project you want, and then mm -hmm. we'll get together and have a meeting. Mm -hmm. So from the start, she was really involved in uh, my learning process. Um, probably the safety and operating procedure project was the first project we really got to do together. But later on, um, I got more involved in this bio art project where we, we where we were using 3D printers to print out replicas of countries where Pomona students came from. And this was to help a senior for her project. And Asia said, hey, this is the lead for that project. You can work with her. So she helped people get to the place where they wanted to be in terms mm -hmm. of what they wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah, that was uh, an interesting project. I did not have time to be fully involved in that. So several people came together. Lindsay, uh, Ariane, uh, eventually Nicole. took over, I think, yeah. right, and finished it. But yeah, 63 countries represented at Pomona were uh, 3D printed. And when we were brainstorming the process, we were thinking, well, what's the fastest way to do this? Because no one here has CAD design experience, and we don't necessarily want them to dive right into that right away. Um, and that's where Googling came in. And I found this tool called Doodle3D that's completely online. You don't have to install it. You give it a mm. picture that you find on the internet of a country. You trace the outline. It cre creates a 3D object. You download the file. You 3D print it. 15-minute process. So the team of six people got together and um, did the outlines, mm. um, stored them, organized. They had post-it notes going. Um, they, they had shifts. Uh, one group of people would finish printing and uh, hand it off to the other. Next group of people... Uh, we finished on the deadline. We finished way before the deadline, like three months ahead of the deadline. <laughs> it got extended. Mm -hmm. But yes, um, it was actually exhibited at the Hive uh, mm -hmm. in the vault. Um, it didn't quite come out the way we envisioned it. Uh, maybe next time, because this technology was new to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I'm surprised that even came to fruition. Uh, but yes, there was a guard gel involved and there was a design decision instead of making uh, plates like Petri dishes, making a cookie cutter um, outlines that would make it easier to use them in a tray of a guard gel. And then half the students from those countries touch their guard gel and introduce the bacteria and then coloring the bacteria mm. to represent artistically the diversity on campus. Artistic bacteria. Wow. <laughs> it was, yes. Yeah. If it came... To fruition exactly the way it was envisioned by Iran. Iran uh, Koskan was the uh, student that was behind this idea. Uh, it would have been quite uh, picturesque because we were envisioning a large table with all the uh, printouts. And the, another design decision that I thought was interesting was um, larger countries like Russia, China, United States, uh, Australia, they wanted to make them to scale. And our 3D printer printing that is really <laughs> small. <laughs> and they ended up cutting them up. So Ariane learned yeah. a little bit of CAD to cut up oh, the wow. countries into three pieces and print mm -hmm. them that way. And made a puzzle. <laughs> Asya, you've, you've assembled a staff of students from a lot of different backgrounds, including novices, including people from different disciplines, like including the humanities. Um, why go out of your way to recruit such a diverse group? Um, potentially politically charged answer. <laughs> I, uh, this is my first job in academia. I come from a long time working in the commercial world. Uh, I was usually the only woman in the room. Um, and I learned to kind of shove that aside and just keep trucking. 
until I realized that I can do something about it. So when an offer to join Pomona came, um, I said, huh, liberal arts college, the most unlikely place for me to work because they likely don't know about the technologies. So maybe that's an opportunity for me to do just that. Uh, so of course, when I came, I also learned about the um, uh, computer science rush and everybody trying to get into computer science. And uh, while I think it's important, I don't think that's absolutely necessary for everyone. And I think people that are not in computer science should be able to talk about technology in an informed way. So that was largely the motivation. Um, and I do like the idea of inclusion. And I do like the idea of somebody who'd never seen technology coming and seeing it for the first time, and being able to take it into their hands and make a project with it and feel like now they can go get a good job because they had that experience. Let's dive into the research project you guys worked on this summer. Lindsay, do you want to start from tell, telling us a little bit about the overarching goal and what did you get to work on? So the goal was to increase the number of questions and answers that are going to be used in the app. So the app is a trivia app that helps students learn more about tech. Uh, co technology related concepts. Mm -hmm. So I spend the summer uh, generating these questions and basically identifying what are the main things people need to know to succeed in a tech related job. Mm -hmm. And that required just a lot of Googling, essentially, um, updating it and putting it all into this online platform called Firebase. And Ozio was always there to answer questions I had about concepts and just to make sure that the answers we were giving were as clear and concise as they could be. Yes, yeah, so just to give a little bit of the background here, um, I started hiring students in 2018, and um, maybe one out of 50 knew the words I was saying in meetings. <laughs> and I didn't want them to feel uh, like they couldn't participate. So I was trying to brainstorm the fastest way for them to pick up the terminology. That's one of my theories that uh, if you pick up 200, 300 words, you're already well on your way to belonging and participating in the conversation. And in my world, there's a lot of abbreviations. There are a lot of specific uh terms uh, that apply to the field. Uh, and you don't necessarily even need to know in depth what they mean, but just knowing where to go look for more information is already helpful. Mm -hmm. So that was the idea. I think during one of the team meetings, we did a game, um, didn't plan it. It was kind of all spontaneous, um, where I said, uh, let's throw um, some terms on the whiteboard things like data science, big data, all these terms that we don't necessarily know what they mean, even still. And then let's discuss. And then whoever comes up with terms that, um, definitions of the terms that make most sense to everyone will vote on that. So it's a democratic process, crowdsourced process of agreeing on the terminology. And out of that uh, came the app. So the idea was to create an uh, iOS and Android-based app that people can do quiz-like um, work to quickly pick up the terms. Um, and uh, there would be categories. So there would be a high performance specific category, maybe a programming specific category, maybe hardware specific. And one of those was Exceed. Exceed is the organization that allows researchers to have access to larger resources, larger than what they have on campus. Um, and they have a, an education arm called Shoder, uh, which, um, gives out grants to students to basically learn 
about what Exceed is, what resources there are, and how to participate in that world. They could be researchers themselves. They could be facilitating research. They could be pursuing IT jobs. There's a number of um, paths there. Mm -hmm. But uh, they funded Lindsay's work on Exceed-specific category for our app, and we're releasing it within a couple of weeks, hopefully. Um, it's going to be a free resource for everyone to use. And in the next versions, we're going to try to add um, links to resources to learn more that we curated and we know work, uh, and possibly even crowdsourced uh, lists of words from other people. Hmm. So you mentioned that you, um, you think people learn best from play. And, and this sounds like it's sort of a game. Is that is it is intended to be fun as well as educational? Sometimes I joke that it's a social experiment. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are trying to make it fun through having a cute theme. So the name of the app is called HPC Ponder. And the theme is you start off as a little fish in the pond. And as you gain more knowledge, you become the big fish in the pond. And we're trying to make it. it more fun by having like different fish as, so as the users get more advanced in certain categories, maybe they can get a swordfish or a shark or another type of fish. So that's how we're trying to make learning fun because we're all students. We don't really want to have another class where we have to learn. So we, want to, we wanted to create a platform where we can make the learning more engaging and a little more informal and fun. Yeah. It works for adults, too. <laughs> it's sort of like sure. learning a language, isn't it? Because it's yes. it's very much vocabulary and then understanding how the pieces fit together. Yes. And uh, there is no failing in that app. Uh, the goal is not to score the most points. The goal is to evaluate how much you don't know in the beginning and then six months later to be amazed at how much you learned. So how does it track let's say, progress, or talk to us a little bit about the structure of how the, the app works, or you hope it works. <laughs> um, so all of the people involved in the team are beginning coders. So we're starting off implementing the basic functions. So what we have so far is the trivia format. If you get it right, there it's greed, and then you can continue going. And the scoring is really simple for now. Mm -hmm. um, it's just based on how many you get correct out of the total number of questions. In the future, we want to be able to correct the algorithm so it takes into consideration time. It'll ask you repeated questions. And for now, it's basic level. But in the future, we do want to be able to see, um, like, use time as a factor to see if people are really retaining the knowledge mm -hmm. and maybe providing some metrics for each user that's personalized for them or maybe having a bar graph that shows their progress over time or maybe we could have medals that they can earn once they reach some sort of knowledge threshold. Awesome. Don't forget the multiplayer. Yes, or a competitive multiplayer mode where your fish battle for, I don't know. Fish, <laughs> the ocean battle. domination. <laughs> Now, where will people, you said it's going to be in a few weeks, so um, we're not quite sure when this will, will air. Mm -hmm. uh, It'll probably be live by then. Okay. okay. So um, right now we're available? near the end of September, so you're thinking sometime in October? It'll or? be live by October, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's going to be called HPC Ponder. Um, uh, iOS for now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We would like to have an Android version, but our team is not large enough to, to explore that option quite yet. 
Is that in the future plans or yeah? We would like it, yeah. Yes. Um, That's another thing I think that the team is learning. Um, It's part of accessibility, making it available on multiple platforms Mm -hmm. and maybe not even just necessarily mobile, but the browser as well. Um, And they are learning about frameworks that allow you to port an application from one platform to another. Um, they allow. They learn about libraries that can be used. You don't have to learn coding from scratch. You can go to GitHub and download an example of code and modify it to your liking. Uh, because I think a lot of people get intimidated by, oh, I have to spend a semester learning a thing, yeah. and I'm not even sure that I'll use that knowledge. So I think this was a really good practical example of uh, something useful. And it teaches them coding skills. It teaches them how to put things together. I was not involved in the decision-making process on how to choose Firebase. They just went and did it themselves. Mm-hmm. Is your main audience students who are trying to learn a little bit more? Or who who are your audiences for this app? Anyone and everyone. HPC is such an obscure domain. Mm-hmm. I rarely meet people randomly that know what that is. There are mm-hmm. two conferences in my field where people know what's going on and mm. The rest of the people don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it might be helpful if more people learn about uh, computing and the power that they have access to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't even necessarily cost them anything. If they have a valid research project, they can apply for free resources and get it completed. So part of the mission is also showing researchers what this looks like. Yeah. Um, Asya, um, I assume you probably had some important mentors along the way. Um what did you learn from them, and do you do you model yourself what you do after some of them? I have never had a formal mentor, and this is new to me. I have never formally mentored anyone, um, and this is a job, and I'm technically their boss, although I don't like being called that. Uh, <laughs> but I also started mentoring um, at conferences with students I've never met. Um, partially because uh, I was never offered an opportunity to do that. I think all my mentors were very accidental and very temporary, and I'm not really in touch with any of them anymore. Uh, So I'm really excited that that is now a possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realize the importance of having somebody who looks like you and uh, makes it uh, seem possible to do the same thing. Did you know that was going to be part of your job when you took the job, or or is that something that came with with time? I came with the expectation of having staff, <laughs> <laughs> and when I realized I wasn't Welcome about to a small college, right? <laughs> well, I'm used to putting things together on a shoestring budget, but um, I really wanted to help the 48 departments that are here, and the only way to really get it done uh, was to uh, ramp up quickly. And the students are helping already. Some projects can be learned within a day uh, without really extensive training, mm-hmm. like conversion of Python scripts into executables. That's something that can be proceduralized, proceduralized and handed off to a student, and they can help out and really quick. And there are a lot of other examples, like documentation or interviewing a researcher about what they do or trying to reproduce what they're doing. Um, these are examples of what they can do to help me scale me up. Now you, I assume you also you have some students who are novices. You have some students probably who have a have a lot of of programming background. Is that true, or is that not really? Not really? I think I am uh, collecting all the students that didn't get into other jobs. <laughs> 
and I'm kind of glad mm -hmm. because the handshake description was intentionally uh, open to everyone. It says in mm -hmm. there that the less you know, the better. And mm -hmm. that was the aim because it's really hard to find a job without skills. It's yeah. mm -hmm. impossible. Yeah. And I really yeah, right. wanted to have a job yeah. where they can just shadow me and watch what I'm doing and decide if it's for them or not. Mm -hmm. And a healthy portion of them decided it's not for them. And that's also good because mm -hmm. they got to observe and decide, uh, make an informed decision. Uh, so that mm -hmm. was the goal. And uh, the social experiment seems to be working. I would say a third of the group really understand what I do. Uh, and it doesn't matter that the rest don't because they help out in other ways in mm -hmm. spreading the word in att attracting more students. Now there is a club uh, that just got formed for exploring technology. Mm. Um, and mm -hmm. I'm welcoming all of these developments because I think uh, it's a way to scale it. Question for both of you. What have you learned from each other? Um, I think Asia definitely pushes me mm -hmm. to go out of my comfort zone. Um, over the summer, I felt very overwhelmed with all of the things that I had going on. So there was this app, there was generating these questions. I was helping a professor set up their GitLab account, and I also had a full-time internship. And I was mm. like, Ozia, I can't do this. This is too much. Yeah. And she, and I said, I wanted to drop the question-making one. And she's like, oh, if you do that, you're going to bring shame on me, bring shame on the college, bring shame on the seven C's. So I was no like, pressure. oh my God, I can't do that. No so I actually stayed on. I survived doing those four jobs over the course of the summer. And I think I'm a lot better from it because I learned mm -hmm. so much from the experience. The questions that I was making during for the exceed job, mm -hmm. they actually came in handy in my internship. And mm -hmm. I found that really valuable that mm -hmm. I was learning things that are going to be applicable applicable, and that I'm going to continue seeing. So that was a really valuable experience. And I really am thankful that Asia pushed me out of my comfort zone. Tough like luck. That. Tough yeah, luck. that was a fun moment. I was traveling. Yeah. <laughs> so when she announced she was dropping this, I was like, oh, great. <laughs> we have visibility outside the college. <laughs> if it was something internal, I probably wouldn't care as much. But uh, this is an important organization. So uh, and it's already unusual for us to be entering into this. They're mm. already suspicious of us being able to do this. Mm -hmm. So dropping it would be like, yeah, hey, liberal arts college. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why it was important to me. But I also explained that it's not as scary as it seems. Mm -hmm. And uh, she actually absolutely exceeded my expectations. She created 400 entries over the course of the summer. That's more than any uh, responsible adult I know could do. <laughs> you know, I, it, it interests me that um, we've, and we've been talking to several, you know, people, you know, mentor, mentee uh, pairs about um, what they're about their own story, but also about what mentoring is like. And one thing that keeps coming back is that that it involves pushing people to do things beyond their comfort zone. And so it's it's sometimes telling people things they don't want to hear, and sometimes it's a little bit of tough love. And and can you talk a little bit about that? Were you were you ready for that, that part of things? Because it can be tough on the mentor as well as the mentee sometimes. Yes, um, but uh, one, I knew she could take it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I already learned from her that she performs really well under pressure. 
um, it's really rare to find somebody who can be given one direction and just run with it and invest their own creativity in it and then make something happen uh, almost entirely without my involvement. I may have been the initiator, but the work is all hers. Um, so um, she set that high bar for the rest of the students, which I like to tease them about now. <laughs> uh, it's really rare to meet somebody who is that responsible. And even when uh, over-allocating your time, which I know is a common problem for first-year students and second-year students, and they want to be involved with everything, and they commit to all the things, and they have to drop the things. But being able to complete all of the things uh, makes her completely invaluable as a team member, as an employee, as a society member. Uh, that level of recognition of, um, yes, I committed to something, and yes, I overcommitted myself, but I'm still going to do it. So I really respect that. Lindsay, tell us a little bit about your Pomona experience. So you're a transfer student. Tell us a little bit about your academic endeavors and uh, the your experience so far at Pomona. It's definitely a really rough transition. Uh -huh. um, I came from a community college, so I think adjusting to the way that classrooms are structured was really different mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. um, another thing about being a transfer that no one ever told me about was that when you come here, be prepared to just do upper divisions for the rest of your time. <laughs> so juggling four upper divs per semester, it's horrible. <laughs> like students who come here from their first year, they have the opportunity to balance it out. Yeah. Transfers mm -hmm. do not have yeah. that option. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. it was really difficult to mm -hmm. have a job. Mm -hmm. Get involved in clubs when other people have already had two years to be involved and do your academics. You feel like you're catching up in a way. Yes. Yeah. I still feel like I'm catching up. Mm -hmm. um, how do so, you overcome those <laughs> challenges? What do you, what do you, how do you, because you're, you're obviously succeeding in, and how do you mm -hmm. overcome that? How do you? I'll sacrifice a lot of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there are definitely, they, the school really wants their students to succeed. So I feel like taking advantage of the resources mm -hmm. really helped me for classes. Going to mentor, mentor sessions helped a lot. Um, whenever I was stuck um, in my job, I would ask Ozia, hey, I need help or I can't do this right now. Can we push it back? And I feel like the people and the staff are really willing to help and are really responsive when you need assistance. So that has been a huge help for me. Have you had other other mentors here? Not as much as nothing Asia. like yeah. yeah. I keep her busy. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Um, Asia, what has been Lindsay's evolution like? You've seen her work and succeed in, in these projects. What can you tell us about her? You know, now she's talking about being unsure and overwhelmed. I've never actually seen her be overwhelmed. Mm. She hides it well. <laughs> 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 but she's also a really good communicator, and I really appreciate that because I think the thing I dislike the most is when somebody waits too late, mm. and then it's panic mode, and you should have asked that question three months ago. Uh, so that's a really important lesson there uh, for both of us to be better communicators, to bring up issues right away, uh, not question whether it's happening or not, just talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, that's what makes progress, I think. Mm -hmm. Lindsay, how has 
what you've learned so far in high performance computing or for through your projects, how is that helping you in your academic life? So you're a math major. And are you, any ideas of what you want to do with that? Or how, what, how has this helped you grow? In terms of the knowledge I learned in my major, it's like completely separate. Uh-huh. I never use math in anything. Yeah. But I think the experience of making this app has really inspired my interest in project management or product management of being involved in the creation of a product from the start to the finish mm-hmm. and just having a hand in all of these different aspects of bringing this product to life. So for example, when this app was first being developed, we didn't have a lot of coders. So I had the chance to play the play the role of a coder. This year we don't really have we have abundance of coders, but we don't really have anything else. So I'm trying to play the role of generating the questions, looking into ways we could improve the design or the user experience. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what made me really appreciate this uh, experience of making the app. And that's what's really shaped how I want my career to be as well. Mm -hmm. So for both of you, um, what advice uh, would you have for students who are interested in pursuing opportunities and uh, research opportunities in college or going into computing for that matter. <laughs> so there's not a lot of opportunity to explore without a goal in mind. And that's what I'm hoping we are providing so that it's a jumping point and then you can go, oh, now I need to fa- find a faculty um, associate uh, who can help me fulfill my dream in a particular field of research? Um, I think it's a really hard question to answer. Uh, when somebody is not used to making posters, when somebody is not used to rigorous scientific process, when somebody is not used to research over the course of three months, um, the first time is intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think SERP is one of those opportunities mm-hmm. uh, for students here. Um, I wish there were more informal opportunities for them to do it because I think a lot of them don't enter into SERP because they're too intimidated by the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a solution for this, but uh, we had four students participate in the SERP poster session mm-hmm. and they were students that decided not to do SERP uh, officially. Uh, so this was Han Grant funded mm-hmm. um, and they had faculty advisors uh, overseeing what they do. Uh, I feel like they learned a lot. I feel like several of them possibly found their passion. I know one of them is pursuing language research and specifically language learning in VR, which was not on his mind when he joined the team. Mm -hmm. Having access to that hardware, having access to that infrastructure and having people um, helping along the way, Mm -hmm. I think possibly inspired another researcher in that area. How big is the team of your students? So it's getting complicated now. (laughs) The official HPC support position, uh, there were 80 applications since the beginning. We only had 10 new applications after this latest job fair, and I'm somewhat grateful because onboarding 50 students last year was a process. Mm -hmm. Um, But now we have veterans that are going to be helping out. Uh, We met for the last time, there were 40 people in the room. So they came back after last year. They didn't get scared. That's really encouraging to me because I thought for sure a majority of them would disappear after all this terminology got thrown at them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because they got to work on real projects with real outcomes and they had a supportive group with several different levels, 
Um, I think that's another really important component there. We have really great students in the group that are supportive and not discouraging in any way. I've never seen this in this group that somebody got discouraged from doing something. Uh, when you don't know something, somebody will jump in and help you out and point you to a resource. Okay. Lindsay, any advice for transfer students or for anybody who is interested in, in programming or, or computing besides downloading your app, of course? <laughs> um, I would just recommend always be willing to learn and to put in the effort to learn. And mm -hmm. that's not going to be unique to transfers. Yeah. It's going to be mm -hmm. applicable to everyone. Yeah. If you don't know the answer, don't just wait for someone to tell it to you. You can also Google it or try to f go through online resources that HPC has available to find your answer. Mm -hmm. And I think looking for the answer or just the attempt of trying to find it is a learning experience in and of itself of how you look at problems and how you solve them in the future. So. Can you repeat the name of the app so people can go search for it? It's called HPC Ponder, and there's no no E in the Ponder. Gotcha. Ponder was taken. Yeah. Ah, so spell it P-O-N-D-R? Yes. Okay. It's a pond ponder. with fish, but yes, you also ponder. Ponder. Yes, ponder. ponder. Of course. <laughs> Clever. So on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Um, our thanks to Lindsay Tam, class of uh, 2020. And Asia Schlar, Schlar, Schlar. <laughs> I'm still working on that. Sorry. Uh, Pomona's director of high performance computing. Thank you so much for Thank having you. us. This Thank you fun. to both. And to all who've stuck with us this far, thanks for listening to SageCast, the podcast of Pomona College. Until next time.